You know, every year I try to, I try to just kind of pray about, God, what are you wanting for Timberline? And these three words are kind of what we launched 2019 with, pray, give, and go. And these three things are what every believer should be doing in the world in some way, some fashion, and certainly what every church should be doing, praying, giving, and going. And so today, we're right in between series. We start Daniel. Uh, I'm very excited about that series coming up this fall. But I want to just kind of talk about pray, give, go, and what that means for us. So number one in your outline is just this idea. Matter of fact, you could probably guess the fill-in here. Keep on keeping on. That's right. Keep on keeping on. Why do we say that? It's just, a, it's just a phrase that says, keep doing what you're doing, right? You might be doing something really good. and so, How many of you have actually said that to someone? Keep on keeping on. Yeah, I have too. It's, it's because we want them to be inspired to not quit. We want them to continue whatever it is they're doing. It could be a diet. It could be a race. It could be whatever. But we say, keep on keeping on. What's, what I want to say today and this weekend is, Timberline, keep on keeping on. What you're doing in praying, giving, going. We started praying every Wednesday at noon in our student center. For those of you that can make it every Wednesday, every week at noon, five-minute devotional. And then we just release you to go pray. And I'm loving that. It's been now, it's become just a really cool moment. And Facebook covers it live as well. And so if you're not involved in that, get involved in it. When I think about generosity, I think about what you guys are doing. Not just with dollars. But with your smile, your life, your kindness, the acts of kindness that are happening in our community because you care. Some of you have employees. Some of the stories we have of what you've done to help some of your employees and people that work for you and with you. It's powerful when you think about what generosity has done. And then missions and going. We've been going all year. And many of you have been on missions trips. And you're, you're making a difference in different places in the world. So that's why we say... Keep on keeping on. In Philippians chapter 1, there's kind of a special relationship between the Apostle Paul and this church in this little place called Philippi. That's why it's called Philippians. It's a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. They took Paul on when he first started his ministry. They were like, it's kind of like, have you ever had someone that sends you a, a card of encouragement every now and then? Or you get a text thinking of you, praying for you, you know, keep on keeping on, that kind of thing. That's what Philippi and the people there, that's what they are for Paul. Okay? So I want to read it. Philippians 1 verse 3. Paul is saying to them, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. God is continually at work within us. And this is a reminder. So Paul's saying, thank you. We're together in this. Let's keep going. Keep on keeping on. Number two in your outline. What does prayer actually do? What does prayer actually do? Sometimes I wonder that when I pray. Have you ever in the middle of your prayer kind of gone, are you really listening to me? <laughs> Is this really making sense? Because um, we don't always know. But, but what does prayer actually do? 
I want to I wanna tell you a story. Actually, I want to let them tell you a story. Some of you know a surgeon by the name of Dr. Mark Baustrid. Um, he has done surgeries on many people here at Timberline and many people across northern Colorado. And his wife, Sarah, he had an accident that really could have taken him out. And uh, last night, I interviewed them live in the service. Today, Dick Fove is interviewing them live in the Windsor campus. So we're going to show you just a few minutes of that interview from the service last night, Mark and Sarah Baustrid. You'll enjoy this touching story. This is Mark and Sarah. Wonderful, wonderful couple. And uh, uh, first of all, tell us a little bit about your profession and, and kind of what you did all these years. Well, we, we started out life. Oh, by the way, I have a speech impediment a bit like Jeff. Lucas. Yes. Um, Yours is from uh, South Africa, I South think. Africa. We, we started out life as medical missionaries. Sarah was a midwife. She just loves little babies and also public health nurse. And I was a surgeon, and we went to a little African country called Lesotho. Um, we've done quite a few things, so to kind of cut it short, Thereafter, we were, I was a professor in general surgery training surgeons. Um, Sarah became a mum and looked after our four kids. Um, then I re-specialized in plastic surgery and was then training plastic surgeons um, in various parts of the world um, and eventually got recruited to Penn State, which is what brought us here. We're glad. And then decided I needed to go west, young man, and, um, and we moved to Fort Collins That's 2008. Great. 2008. And I was in practice. Yep. Now, you had the reason I, I've invited the Bowsfords up here is because uh, they had an accident in their home. Uh, Mark loves to fly remote helicopters and stuff. Tell us a little bit about what happened. So I've always had this passion for flying things, and I used to have my pilot's license, and I thought it would be safer flying the little things, but I was not um, right with that. So one day I was testing a helicopter. This is a fairly sophisticated helicopter, and brand-new part was faulty, and as I started it up, the part shattered and a blade went straight into my left eye. Yes, now are you going to do the little glasses thing? I can do this yeah, uh, little so trick here. I'll hold the microphone so you can all hear it. <laughs> Don't get queasy on me. Hope right? I didn't freak anyone out. He wouldn't allow me to take the eye out. You no, know? I said we're not <laughs> taking the eyeball out. No, 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 no. No, we're not taking the eyeball out. Um, that night, Sarah, you were there that day. You got involved and tell us a little about from your perspective what that was like and what happened. Yeah, my evening shifted from looking after a couple of weeks old baby to jumping in the car and um, racing down to MCR with Mark, clutching his eyeball, um, not knowing the fate of what was to come. Um, and there we encountered an angel who met us at the door. It was the beginning of many angels that have met us along the journey, but... These are um, humans. She's talking about human beings. Yeah, are a human angel. Angels in kindness. Just didn't want um, you to get too confused. <laughs> a patient that um, Mark had treated um, some while ago um, was there with a wheelchair to meet Mark and I and just scooped us up and just said, we love you, we're going to take care of you. And that was, I think, the beginning of many landmark 
human angels that have carried us on this journey. So, so you got treatment and you lost your eye. And so how has that impacted your career, surgery, you know, uh, were people kind of nervous having a one-eyed surgeon doing surgery on him? <laughs> you bet. <laughs> I, would I, I can joke around with him because these are our friends, okay. Um, as I was lying there in MCR, I came out of surgery. It was about 2 a.m. or something. I just felt the Lord saying, I'm not done with your work as a surgeon because I never divorced uh, my work from my calling. I, I came to know the Lord at the end of my junior year at high school, and I felt he said, I want you to be a doc. And so I felt him saying, I still want you to go back to surgery. And so after two months of recovery with um, a huge amount of trepidation, I remember driving back, we live a bit out east, and driving back through the fields and um, just kind of choking back the emotion and saying, Lord, I, I don't think I can do this. I had eight hours of surgery booked in their infinite wisdom. My office booked me eight hours of surgery for my first day back. Can you believe it? Wow. Um, and um, I just felt the Lord saying, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Yeah. And being a competent surgeon, I could operate well in a sense without having to depend on him. Now I really had to depend on him. And um, the remarkable thing was that the Lord really stepped in and enabled me. I had a lot of relearning to do because I don't have binocular vision anymore. So, um, but I had, for the first couple of weeks, I had one of my partners with me to make sure that no patient would ever be compromised. And, um, and the Lord just enabled me. And it really thrust me on Jesus. Mm. Um, and I would say this to all of you out there who are struggling with something in your life. You know, Jesus said to his disciples in that last supper, he said, in this world you will have trouble. Boy, don't we know that? But he said, do not be afraid, for I have overcome the world. And when you've gone through difficulties and trouble and suffering, and you've known the presence of Jesus with you through it all, it gives you confidence that no matter what comes your way, um, things will be okay. Last, last question. I know that you have had trips where you have done surgeries in other countries, especially on children with needing major work and cleft palates and diff different things. Uh, what kind of inspired you to do that kind of stuff for free? You know, I think, um, you know, Jesus takes us human beings and turns something beautiful out of us, um, miserable, selfish old guys. Um, <laughs> and I think you know, that's what the Lord does with us when he's in your life. He gives you this love and passion to serve others. Thanks for praying, for going, for giving. Thanks for your heart, for kids and people. You guys truly are making a difference with your lives. Would you say thank you to the Bowser? Yeah. Thank you. I, I really have found it remarkable with the recovery that uh, Mark has had and the way he is using his gifts in a generous way around the world with kids who would have no, no help. 
otherwise. It's just powerful. God uses, hear this, God uses everything that we go through. I'm, I'm a firm believer that he doesn't create everything we go through. I make my own messes a lot of the time. How about you? But God always uses whatever we go through for his glory if we will let him. And it will change our lives as well as others. There's five things about prayer that I just want to put into your heart and have you think about these a little bit. Five things. And I want to read Philippians a little later in his letter. In, in chap, it wasn't divided in chapters originally, but we did that later. Chapter 4, verse 6. Don't worry about anything, Paul says to the people in Philippi. Instead, pray about everything. It's a little play on words that he's doing here. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Boom, boom. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's already done. Then you will experience God's what? Now that's huge. The peace of God is what we're going after today. That's what I want you to remember in this passage. You cast your cares on him, you will have the peace of God which exceeds anything that we can humanly understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds. That's, that's, those are Greek words for feelings and emotions. And it's a picture of a Roman guard. I will guard your feelings and emotions. I love that. As you live in Christ Jesus. Number one, prayer is simply communication with God. We sometimes overcomplicate it. And I want to try to make this as simple as I possibly can today. Matter of fact, I have people sometimes who will say something to me like, man, I just have a hard time praying. I just, I just can't focus. I just can't do it. And I, I'm like, okay, that, that's a sign to me that, that they're putting a little more in. Like they're making prayer an event. Like at 10 o'clock, I'm going to go shut everything down and pray. Matter of fact, yesterday when I was driving to church for last night's service, I was just praying. I pray out loud in the car all the time. Anyone else have this problem? Okay, so I'm just talking to God about the weekend and, and throwing some things out there. And, and then I actually said, Lord, thank you that I don't have to close my eyes when I pray. <laughs> I felt like God was saying, yeah, that's good. You, please don't. Please don't. Bad things happen if you close your eyes when you're driving. But it's simply communication with God. So don't get hung up. It might just be listening it might be laying down to take a nap and you just begin to focus on the Lord and who he is in your life and giving him thanks for your day and appreciating the weather. Prayer is an attitude. That's why the Bible actually says pray without ceasing. Well, that's impossible. If you make it into an event, then you can't do that. But prayer is a lifestyle that is offered and it just kind of comes up from your soul. In every action, every deed, everything you do, God is there. And it's acknowledgement that God is there. Sometimes Pastor Jeff Lucas, he'll say, like, like at our teaching team meetings or, or stuff like that, we'll be, we've been talking for hours about a series or something upcoming. And, and I'll say, Jeff, why don't you just lead us in a prayer for this so that we can get this right and people can learn and and he'll say, he'll say, okay. And then he'll say something like this. Well, Lord, you've heard all of this chatter and you've heard all of this talk, so you know what to do. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, no, no, let's pray. Let's, God, put this in people's hearts. You know, and sometimes it's not an event. It's just acknowledgement. It's acknowledgement that God is there. He's with you at all times. Number two, prayer reveals our dependence on God. Just 
just the moment when I acknowledge God is with me in my car, home, or in my devotional time or whatever, and I just say, Lord, thank you for being here with me. What am I doing? I am recognizing a dependence that I have on God. And you know what? God likes that. No one is self-made and no one is independent. You might think you are, but you're not. This world can crush you pretty quick. If you've never had that happen yet, just hang on, okay? I don't want to live independent. I want to live dependent on the God who created me. He's pursuing you. He cares about you. Think about, have that passion. It is the recognition that I am not alone when I pray. I'm never alone. People say, well, I live alone. I don't have any. You live with God. God is with you always. I I do have to admit, sometimes it's a bummer that he's not here in flesh. You know what I mean? It's like spirit. Like the little boy who was scared at night and his dad came in, tucked him in, said, it's going to be okay. Don't be afraid. God is with you. He said, I know, but I need somebody with skin on them. (laughs) Sometimes we feel that way. We just, we need to have that touch. So that's why we're sent for each other. But I am not self-sufficient. Number three, prayer prepares the heart to receive whatever it is that God's trying to put in you. Prayer acknowledges God is in this situation. When I pray about a situation, I'm pulling God into every opportunity Every problem, every challenge. God, you are here in this. What do you see in this? What do you make of this? Um, What am I not seeing here? I don't know if you've ever done this, but sometimes when I pray about things, my prayer actually changes. Because I'll listen to myself pray and go, wait a minute, I don't really want that. (laughs) Erase that one. Let's go back and start over. I don't want you to do that. Let's do this. And then I end up saying, God, what is your plan for this situation? Maybe I don't know anything about it. I don't know what you're doing on the other side of this. So I just need to yield to you and say, show me, help me to be sensitive. And that's simply acknowledging God in every challenge of my life. And my heart gets prepared when I pray. Number four, this one's super important. Prayer stabilizes our emotions. One of the things I love about prayer and why I believe in prayer is it becomes a real stabilizer for my emotional craziness. We all are emotional. Now, I realize some people don't show it, but they're still emotional. Some people, you can tell exactly what they're feeling or thinking in an instant, because as they say, they wear their emotion on their sleeve, right? You can see it. But all of us have emotion. If you say you don't, then you're clinically dead, okay? So all of us have emotion. But what happens is prayer begins to stabilize my spirit man. Now that's a real thing in us. We are are flesh and blood. But the life in us isn't flesh and blood. The life in us is spirit. And and that's, that's, that's that's a God breath breathed into skin and bones. So so there is spirit in you. And that needs to be stabilized, and your creator is the best one to do that. I, I, I thought of a story a couple of weeks ago that I don't think I've, I've ever shared. It's just a, a fun little moment out of my life with my mom and my sisters. We, we, my dad loved recreation, okay, and he loved boating. We always had a ski boat or a fishing boat or something. And the last couple of years of his life on earth, he died really young at 41 of cancer, and it left my mom with five kids, 18, 16, 14, 12, and 9. And we always went to Lake Powell. Anybody been to Lake Powell? 
we went to Lake Powell every summer because we lived in Grand Junction, three and a half hours to Bullfrog Marina. And, and so my dad ended up buying a houseboat and kept it on a buoy there. And a couple times every summer, we would go spend a couple weeks at Lake Powell. It was a blast. All us kids loved it. Well, when he died, we were all like, there goes Lake Powell, <laughs> you know, because he's the driver of the boat. He makes it all happen. So my mom sat us kids down and said, look, you've had enough loss I think I can do it. We're going to Lake Powell next summer, even without your dad. She is very courageous, okay? My mom is courageous. And uh, so we did. And I'll never forget it, man. She's captain of that big houseboat. And she's pulling into the dock, and everyone's like, is that a woman driving this boat? <laughs> it's like, she was better than most men. And anyway, we got into a storm, and it was really windy. And I was probably 15, 14 or 15 at the time, and it started really rocking the boat around. So my mom said, we got to find a canyon. If you've been to Lake Powell, lots of canyons. So we went way back in the canyon where it was much calmer, but the wind was still gusting through the canyon. And we got to the end of that canyon, and there was a big tree trunk sticking up, and my mom knew we were in trouble because there was no way out. And this boat was headed right for those cliff rocks. We were going super slow, but these big sheer cliffs comes straight out of the water, and she's kind of panicked. And she said, Derek, is there any way you can grab the rope on the bow of the boat and jump in and wrap it around that tree as we go by, and that could, that could anchor us? And I said, sure, and, and it worked perfect. I jumped in, got the rope around, and the wind pushed that boat right around, and the bow was facing into the wind, and that tree held. And I'll never forget getting back on the boat, and my mom, so relieved, she said, you guys, everything is going to be fine. This tree is strong enough to hold this boat. We don't have to worry anymore. And I just was thinking a couple weeks ago about that moment in my life and how relieved I was. And that's how it is when you go through life struggle, when you have a storm that's bigger than you and it's throwing you around. You've got to anchor to something that is bigger than the storm. Amen? You've got to anchor to the God who made you. God, there is no storm bigger than him. I don't care what you're facing today. If you anchor to him, you're going to be okay. And it's going to stabilize your emotions so that you don't have to live in that anxiety moment for the rest of your life. You can pause. You can rest. You can say, thank you, God. I give this to you. I love it when it's out of my hands. I mean, just the simple little things. You're going to think I'm crazy. You know when you have to mail a package to someone? Isn't that awful? I don't know why. I don't know why. You box it up, you tape it, you put the address. You got to take it to that little place, you know, and usually wait in line and they get the postage and all that. I love it when all that's over and I hand them the box and I walk out and I go, I'm done with that. It's the best feeling. Now, the truth is it hasn't arrived where it's supposed to go yet. What am I doing? I'm trusting someone else to get the package there. I've done all I can do. You mail a letter, you get rid of it, you're done. You take a list. How many of you guys get lists from your wife if you're married? Every now and then I get a grocery list. Can you pick this up on your way home? Oh. Last time it was like, ladies, why do you buy these things that no one else buys in the grocery store? Guys, you go in, you get some hamburger meat and some steaks, and you're good. You know what I mean? But they got all these little, this thing on there said something root, like some kind of a root. I'm like, I'm not going to eat this anyway. Why am I buying a root? I have no idea what it was for. None. 
And I'm, I'm looking for, th- I don't like to ask people's help in a store. You know, I, I can find it. I'm a man, right? <laughs> I can find this. I, I'm not kidding. I think the whole store thought I was just pace walking up and down. I was just moving. Finally, I gave up. And I went to the car. I said, I cannot find this certain route. And he goes, oh, yeah, that's a really tricky one. I'm like, yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> he walks right over to it. It's in this little chart. This says it right on it, root. And I put it in my bag, and I'm like so over it. I was so happy when that was di- I still hadn't gotten it to Bonnie. I had no idea what recipe it's going to be in. I don't care. I'm done. I'm done. I got the root. I'm finished. That's how it is when you say, God, I can't do this anymore. I've done everything in my power. It's yours now. I, good luck. It's your problem now. You can give that to God. Number five, man, I've got to hurry. Good grief. Prayer invites us to trust God in all things. Prayer invites us to trust God in all things. I'm going to ask you one question, and we're going to move to the next section. Here it is. Really think about this. Okay, don't answer too quick. Are you capable of trusting? Because you need to start with that question. Well, you don't understand my life journey. You don't understand how I was wounded. It's hard for me to trust. I know. That's true for most of us. Most of us have been betrayed by somebody. That's why when we come to God and someone says, trust him, we go, no thanks. Now, we don't say that. We say, oh, I'm trusting God. Then we take it back. Oh, I'll give it to you, God. Then we take it back. Trust is a big deal, okay? Are you capable of trusting? Just just ponder that for a while. Number three in your outline. What is at the heart of generosity? We talk about prayer. Thank God we're a praying church. I hope you're a praying person. I believe you are. Communication with God. But what about generosity? There's three things to consider here that I've listed in your notes. And I want to read you a little later in the letter out of Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. Paul says, How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned about me, but you didn't have a chance to help me. And then he he goes on to say, Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, plenty or little. And then comes that famous verse. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. What's happening? He's saying thank you. Thank you for the card. Thank you for the letter. Thank you for the prayers. Thank you for acknowledging that I'm on the earth and that you're reaching out to me. You guys, we, we should never, ever stop letting people know we're thinking about them, encouraging them. Parents, encourage your kids. Strengthen them. Compliment them in a real honest way. They need your approval and your praise. One of the first things in this list is simply this. There is power in choice when it comes to generosity. There's power when you choose to give. That releases something in you that's different. Let me give an example. How many of you have ever paid taxes? (laughs) Did, Did you like put a little note with it that said, I am so excited to send you this money and you can do whatever you want with it? Probably not. Why? Because you don't give your taxes. Did you know if you don't, 
You pay your taxes. You can go to jail if you don't pay your taxes. You can be fined large sums of money if you don't pay your taxes. So that has nothing to do with giving. You don't give your taxes. You pay them. But when it comes, and that's why sometimes it's difficult, and you, you don't have a choice, and i got to do this, and run around, people get worked up about it. That's so different than choosing to be generous. There's power that happens in you when you go, I want to give this. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meet a need. And something kind of giggly happens in your life when that happens. It's a, it's a power of, of true generosity, especially when it's a willful choice that it's made about giving and living generous. And you guys, this isn't just about dollars. This is about your praise, your compliments, your love, your, your seeing a problem before it happens, your caring about people, your thoughtfulness, all of that. Number two, there's freedom in stewardship. There's real freedom in stewardship. I love this idea that generosity takes away the burden of giving, the guilt. I don't like it when people give out of guilt. Even in this one-day offering, don't give out of guilt. You'll, you'll begrudge it. You'll, you'll regret it. You'll be angry later. Um, give because you want to help make a difference in the world. Find joy in that. Give whatever God puts in your heart. It was cute. Last year, after our one-day offering, I got a note. Uh, this one couple wrote a really big check, and, and it, he put a note on it that said, just so you know, we do not make this much money every day of our lives. But God really put this on our heart. You know, I'm like, okay, I get that. But it was really sweet. So God can help you. But what happens is when you are not the owner, you're the steward, there's joy in releasing that and in giving. And that's the third point, is there is joy in releasing you know, when you don't own it, it's really fun to just give it to someone who needs it more than you. It's fun to recognize a need and go, I think I can help with that. I think I can give an hour to that. I think I can donate to that. I think I can volunteer to help take care of that. And there's real joy in that. There's no burden of ownership when it comes to the joy of, of releasing. I, I think sometimes I think of, of this right here. You guys know what this is? It's a It's a funnel. And this is what all of us are called to be, just funnels. We just give, God pours it in and it comes out. This one day offering we're gonna take, we're not gonna keep any of it. It doesn't impact Timberline in terms of our budget. We give it all away, why? Because we're a funnel. God, how, how much does God trust you? This much or this much? It's just a thought. This has value, and that's why I said it's not the dollar. Jesus gave credit to the little lady who gave pennies in the offering because it's all she had. This is a very important part. It's, it's, it's generosity in lifestyle that has the, the, it makes the difference in the long haul. Amen? Your neighbors know whether you're generous or not. Your neighbors know if you're forgiving or kind or helpful. They know. Last thing, going will always be a kingdom mandate. This is something that we all are called to do. Now, you may not all be called to go to China or Haiti or wherever, but you're, you're called to be where you are. And maybe it's across the street. Maybe it's around the world. I don't know. But God has a mission for you in your life to minister to the people he's put in your world. Matthew 28, 19. This is called the Great Commission. It's where it all came from. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, 
Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You guys, that's why we go. That's why we give. That's why we pray. Is there is a mission that's the heart of God, and it's on you as an individual, and it's on this church. I remember years ago, the first time this church ever gave over $100,000 in one year to missions. I had someone set up an appointment and come to me and they said, Pastor Derry, I'm just concerned, love the church, we're fairly new, but when we saw that you've given $100,000 to missions, we just think that's gonna create a financial problem for the church if you're giving all this money away. Now it's millions that we give, I'm thankful. But I said, well, you're going to be pretty unhappy in this church for a lot of years if you hang around. Because we want to be a funnel. And we want to give it away. And yes, we want to take care of the house. We want to take care. We, we, need, we need stuff. But bigger than that is the mission that we are called to, to make a difference in the world. Amen? So let's be the church. Let's pray. Lord. Thank you that we get to pray, give, and go. Thank you that these are real words that we can really live out. And thank you that this is more than a pep talk. Thank you today, God, that we are on mission. And I pray that you would show us how to live with purpose in a greater way than we ever have in our lives. Take us there today. Teach us how to see opportunities that we haven't been looking for. You know, I just, I feel prompted to ask this question with your heads bowed. How many of you would just say, I really am in a situation where I need that stability in my emotions right now. I'm, I'm a little anxious about this and that spirit man stuff. I need God to calm me and, and make sense out of everything I'm going through. Would you just pray? I feel prompted just to pray over you specifically. Raise your hand if that's you, would you? Lord. I pray for my brothers and sisters that are in a quandary. You're the God who gives peace where there's anxiety. And I pray that we can hand this to you. Give them the ability, the capability to trust. Put that seed in their heart right now, even in these 30 seconds. The situation probably won't change in 30 seconds, but their spirit man can change because your spirit can comfort them and, and encourage them. Let them sense you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.